Welcome to the Anthropology and Business Podcast, where you'll learn about the many ways anthropology is applied in business and why business anthropology is one of the most effective lenses for making sense of organizations and consumers. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in advertising, marketing, consumer behavior, organizational culture, user experience, and many other roles, you'll learn firsthand what it means to do business anthropology and how the work differs from academic anthropology. We will discuss issues like the pace and depth of research in business, our visibility and influence as practitioners, and what we can do to build our brand. We will also focus on the value and impact of our research in business so that we can help business leaders understand why they should be hiring anthropologists. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Matt Arts of the Anthropology and Business Podcast. I'm here today with Max Matus. Max has a bachelor's, a master's as well in anthropology, master's in semiotics, PhD in sociology, so a very well-rounded social scientist, um, currently working as a researcher in the Department of Cultural Studies at El Khalif, in, which is at the northern border in Tijuana, uh, also the director of research at Semiosfera, which is a marketing and advertising agency, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in Mexico City. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about you know how you came in anthropology, what you know what you're doing today in anthropology, the state of business anthropology in Mexico, and um, I think we're both interested in maybe tra- you know some training related type stuff about how we can train the next generation. So maybe we can get into that. So Max, thanks for coming on. And would you start by telling everybody how you came into anthropology? Yeah, thank you very much, Matt. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with you today. Well, I studied anthropology at the National School of Anthropology in Mexico City. That was around 20 years ago. So at that time, I was curious more about uh, uh, indigenous uh, matters in Mexico. As you know, we have like 68 indigenous groups in Mexico, and I belong to one of those. So I wanted to understand more about multiculturalism. So when I was studying at the National School of Anthropology, I came to consultancy also. Uh, so it, it was unexpected, I have to be honest. Uh, 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 someone just offered me to enter to this world by making a, a consultancy. And since that, I'm following doing this kind of studies. But also uh, I do consultancy for private and public sector. So sometimes I also work for the government, for NGOs, for business, of course. Got it. And so um, at what point did you get involved in con- the consultancy? Was it you know, during, say, like the master's schooling or after you got your PhD? Well, actually, it was when I was doing my bachelor. It, it was in my second year. At the end of the second year, when uh, someone uh, looked after me in order to ask if I could help them to understand the meaning of the colors of the oil for the car. For me, that was very, very weird. You know, why are you asking me that? But anyways, I accept the challenge. It was a consultancy, the name it was Quentan. So I did uh, ethnography 
and I went to 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 research that. It was with young people, and it was very interesting to understand that even in the color of of, of the oil of the cars, that there was uh, such a big difference, words, meaning, uh, uh, and so forth. So uh, that was my first consultancy uh, for private sector, and then I did some more work for them, uh, little works, let's say, but uh, when I was finishing my master, also in anthropology, then I decided to open my own consultancy. The name of this consultancy was In Situ. We're talking about 2005 around, Mm-hmm. And uh, I opened it with uh, another colleague, anthropologist as well. And we opened it in Mexico City. It was a kind of a boutique consultancy. We were at that time five people. And uh, it was hard for us at the beginning to get our own clients. So our clients actually were bigger consultancies. So we were providing uh, anthropology services for, for big consultancies. And we were working with some five consultancies, I guess, and it was an interesting business model, but it was also kind of demanding and because, of course, every consultancy has its own uh, way of doing research, way of delivering uh, insights, and, um, and also there is also uh, matters concerning to, to, let's say, private issues from each consultancy. Mm-hmm. So we were working like this for uh, some two, three years, and uh, at the end, uh, when we were becoming bigger and bigger, let's say, in making these kind of consultancies, we didn't understood how to really deal with internal matters. So we didn't, were able to grow our team to, to deliver quality research on the right time, let's say. It was starting to, to get more difficult for all of, all of us, Mm-hmm. And uh, at least uh, at a certain point, we decide, okay, if we are going to do that, we are going to do it right. Otherwise, better not, because because we have to be very responsible with that. And uh, we decide to stop the consultancy, first of all, because I also wanted to go to make a PhD. Mm-hmm. And other friends also wanted to continue studying. And other friends went to another consultancies. So that was my first consultancy. It was very interesting, but very demanding. Got it. So a few interesting things in there. One, I mean, you're kind of fortunate or lucky that you got you know, offered that job while studying for your bachelor's. That's it's a you know great opportunity. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, at that time, did you have any you know sense of really how to operate a business, or was it you know what, what did you have to learn to to kind of ramp up for that? Well, uh, when I opened my first consultancy, I didn't have an idea about how to operate a business. I have to be honest with that. So it was a great responsibility. Uh, None of us had this ability. And uh, in the administration, of course, it was uh, the most problematic part. The administration for the field research, I still remember, because we, we, we... we're working with lots of, of people uh, going to the field, making research, also focus group and so forth. And at that time, of course, uh, we used to to give some kind of, uh, of gift to, to, to people that was working with us, and you had to include that also in the budget. So it was kind of difficult. There was one person that it was trying to specialize in that, but... Uh, 
it, it was very hard. This was the main part. Let's say soft, soft uh, abilities, you know, that we mm -hmm. don't get in when we study anthropology. Of course, there are no courses for that. But also uh, other, another problem was how to deliver very quality results and how to present them. Because since we were uh, academics, let's say, uh, our way to deliver findings was very boring. So we had to learn somehow how to, to be more precise, to, to use design uh, uh, as a tool to present findings. Uh, there were, was like uh, uh, someone who was trying to specialize in that. And uh, when we uh, uh, understood that actually let's say the more uh, uh, design we were using in the presentations, it was easier to communicate, let's say a few words and more, more diagrams and things like that, uh, we were getting into the, the, to the point. But it was also another ability that we had to, to learn at that time. Good. So, yeah, that's helpful. Maybe, you know, we can come back maybe towards the end to talk about a little of that extra training that maybe anthropologists should be getting. Um, to stick on your education for a moment, though, so so you know you're going through your anthropological schooling, you're starting your consultancy, you're getting clients. Um, I find it interesting that you were working with other consultancies, larger consultancies. So how did you first pitch it to them? How did you sell the value to those consultancies? Well, uh, you know, actually, it was not that difficult because at that time. Uh, consultancies were looking for our services. So we just had to go and knock the door and say, hello, we are uh, in situ specialized anthropologists. That was the full name, specialized anthropology. So we are offering our services as, as researchers, market researchers, and it was not that difficult to, to get the clients, but of course the, the first projects were very little. And uh, the it's because some 20 years ago, we started to, to make anthropological research for markets in Mexico. So that's the reason. It was like the boom of this kind of research. There were not so many providers. Uh, as I uh, told you before, the main, uh, uh, let's say, difficult that we were facing at that time was to understand the own culture of the consultancies that we were working with. Mm -hmm. And uh, because, because we were not business, we were not in business before. So even, even the language, you know, uh, uh, what is a brief, what is a debrief, what is like little by little, we were learning, we were somehow learning in the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like the most challenging thing. Uh, of course, there was someone who was uh, the main uh, vendor. It was a, a, a woman from, from Chile, and she had the ability to talk, you know. Everyone had a different ability. At that time, uh, I was already, let's say, the head of the research because I was more the more academic one. And uh, there was someone else that it was trying to sell and someone that it was very good for doing report in the field. So, so we specialize in this way. Got it. And so what made you, earlier you said you still wanted to get a PhD, but what made you get the MA in semiotics and the PhD in sociology as opposed to just staying in the kind of classic anthropology track? Mm -hmm. 
Well, actually, it was because of this experience. When I was uh, uh, working with some clients, they were always interested about semiotics somehow, about the meaning. They didn't want to research only practices. Uh, they wanted to understand the deep meanings behind those practices. And uh, they were always asking, like, for the methodologies and, and, and they were always asking like how to to somehow uh, uh, manage science, how to communicate better to clients. So I understood that the only thing that I knew about that was the most classic anthropology, let's say the structuralism, Levi-Strauss and this kind of anthropology like French semiotics. So I understood that I had to, to learn more about that. And I went to Estonia. Uh, there is a program, it's one of the only programs in the world that uh, they have uh, cultural semiotics, and which is more, yeah, it's also kind of a structural semiotics, but also more applied, more pragmatical. So that's the reason because I went to study uh, uh, semiotics. And, and actually, uh, for me, it was very interesting uh, uh, to to do this master, and then that's the reason because the next consultancy that I opened uh, uh, was an integration of anthropology and semiotics. So the next consultancy that I opened is Semiosfera. And, and about the PhD, uh, yeah. No, no, go on. No, and about the PhD. Um, this PhD on on sociology that I did in in the Netherlands. It was more close to anthropology, let's say. It was more applied anthropology. The head of this PhD was Norman Long, who was an anthropologist from Manchester, and he opened this program in the Netherlands. And in Mexico, it was well known, this project, because of the applied side of anthropology that they were doing, but more in the field, more in the countryside, more working with peasants, so I, I wanted to understand also this kind of, of, of anthropology, but for the development, mm-hmm. let's say. It was not for business, but it was more, more anthropology of development. And it was also, yeah, uh, very important uh, uh, in my career. And that's a reason because after studying this PhD, I started to make also consultancy for the government, for the public se- sector, for fishery uh, 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 and, and peasants. Got it. And so, you know, you said roughly 20 years ago was kind of like a boom in Mexico for this kind of research. So tell me about it then and maybe now, you know, how has it changed? Is there more of an appetite for that kind of research or, or less or is there is it different? I think it's very different. At that time, people really didn't understood what, what was anthropology and what was good for and what was ethnography. So there was a lot of expectation, and uh, and I think that uh, things change very fast. And so nowadays, you can find a lot of, of, of little consultancies that are offering uh, anthropological services for uh, uh, business and ethnography services, uh, but let's say that they are not really professional consultancies and, and, and they are not growing as fast as, as the market needs a more, let's say, professional anthropology. 
Uh, one of the first and most important anthropological and design consultancies uh, at that time was another in situ with M at the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, this consultancy was opened uh, by two designers that studied in the United States. They are Mexicans, and then they, they uh, started to work with anthropologists, and they created this uh, um, consultancy. And this consultancy, uh, I think, is like the school of uh, how to do uh, business anthropology in Mexico, because lots of people from National School of Anthropology and other schools of design in Mexico started to work in this consultancy and this consultancy uh, grew very fast somehow and until nowadays actually they were bought by Accenture two years ago yeah, so this is uh, like the school of, 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 of for, for making uh, this kind of, of, of consultancy in Mexico and uh, so What I see nowadays is that uh, really some consultancies, they think that they already know how to do ethnography and they think that to do ethnography is just to go to talk to people. Uh, uh, the problem is that when uh, we are started to face the, the pandemic, uh, then they didn't really know how to to do ethnography, but in the, let's say, in ethnography. And they started to face another kind of problems. And uh, and because, of course, to, to do ethnography is not only to talk to people, but it's, it's, it's richer than that. So uh, what I want to say uh, with that is that there are many consultancies in Mexico that they say that they are offering anthropological consultancy, but from my side of view, it's not really like this and uh, and also uh, that's the reason because me and other colleagues are interested in trying to to help students to understand what is to do a, a business anthropology or consultancy since they are in the bachelor let's say mm -hmm. not to wait until you are dealing with going into the to the work market, but, but since the very beginning, if you want to do that, then you have to know since, since you are studying a bachelor, how to do it. And you have to start to professionalize in that. That's, that's what we think. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want to get to that, but to, to maybe stay on your current work and, and the state of business anthropology in Mexico. So, So your agency is in Mexico City, I believe, and you're doing you know your other work um, up in Tijuana. And so, is there any differences, you know, um, from you know Mexico City to Tijuana? Like, do you see business anthropology, you know, being sort of very different across Mexico? Yeah, uh, most of the consultancies, business anthropology consultancies, are in in Mexico City and Guadalajara. Uh, and in the north of Mexico, there are very few consultancies and no anthropological consultancies. There are qualitative consultancies. And uh, so that's the main difference. Okay. Uh, so we are a very centralized uh, country in this way. When we uh, uh, get uh, uh, clients, uh, uh, normally we get it via our office in Mexico City and when they ask us somehow to do their research, 
they are always chosen the main, the same cities almost all the time, like Mexico City, Guadalajara, Monterrey, and if they want to risk a little bit, they choose uh, Merida, for example. So the main main cities, and uh, we are, of course, always trying to, to, to talk to them and to try to open their views, because uh, this is a very narrow, let's say, uh, uh, view from our uh, point of view. And it, I think this is also related because we don't have many anthropological programs in the north of, of the country, for example. So you don't have uh, specialized people uh, 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 for that. So also our academia is very uh, centralized, and that is another another uh, problem for us. So when we are trying to get um, help for making our research, when we are, for example, making research in another cities like Chihuahua or Guerrero or, or Veracruz, we are always trying to go first, like like our contacts in the anthropological schools, we contact uh, with some teachers and we ask them, do you know someone who has already some experience in that, uh, someone who is making a thesis in these kind of topics? And that is the way that we, we are growing, let's say, our network. And, of course, we have always uh, the CVs and everything with us. And when we need a very specialized profile, then we are looking for it. But it's not easy to find a really, really, let's say, a specialized anthropologist in Mexico for this kind of of a, a, a consultancy, I mean, in, in outside Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. And so how do you, even within then, you know, Mexico City, how do you think your customers are coming to you? Like from an inbound perspective, you know, are they actually searching for anthropological research or are they searching, you know, for something uh, tangential that then they find you or is it mostly coming through recommendations, you know, referrals? No, well, we have a, a team that is, all, of course, trying to sell our services. So this team approach in a very traditional way. They are like sending mails, calling to business, to these okay. the areas of, let's say, depending, but it, it can be marketing areas or research areas, innovation areas. They make the appointment. So would they make the presentation and uh, one of the... Of the uh, my colleague, for, for example, Jan Corona, who is the CEO of the consultancy, he is trying to go to make the presentations with the sellers. And uh, when it's a, a, a consultancy that is also specialized in semiotics, then I, um, I try sometimes to be with them. Uh, as I told you, they are very interested in semiotics, as they were before interested in anthropology. But the main uh, problem is that they, they don't really believe uh, still until nowadays in the semiotic product. So we are still selling more anthropology with a twist of semiotics at the end of the day. So trying to show our services because this is our point of, of differentiation uh, or we are trying to, to, to make that at least. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a very, very, very traditional way. Uh, this is when it's for business. When it's for for a public sector, well, there are public convocatories that we have to 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 apply to, and uh, this is another kind of market. And I'm more specialized in that, as I told you, like with the with the, the fishery sector, we were working a lot, but this this is a totally different uh, uh, consultancy. I I want also to to point here that. Uh, 
it's not easy nowadays to sell anthropological consultancy in Mexico because people is asking for more, to do more in, in less time. So as you know, anthropology wants or likes to make a very deep field research, but we don't have time for that and people don't want to pay for that. So when, when we work for the public sector, we can uh, make a better field research. When we do uh, research for, for business, for private sector, they, they, they don't understand that one day of research is very few. But, but, but for them, this is like, what? Why not an interview? So that, that's one of the main problems that we are facing until nowadays. And because we, there are more consultancies that are asking for less money, that's the reason because because yeah we we all have to adapt. So we, I was talking to to a friend of a consultancy in, in UK and he was pointing the same. Before our clients were uh, asking for research, let's say in one two months, and now they wanna have ready the research in one two weeks. What can you do that? What can you do in two, two weeks? It's, it's very few time. So how are you trying to make that the most productive? Well, yeah, most valuable. To, to, to using, uh, well, big teams, well, if we have uh, money enough, of course, when we make research, in, 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 like say, in, in different cities of the country, we uh, prefer instead of looking for, for anthropologists uh, uh, outside Mexico City, we make the team in Mexico City and we send all the people to, to those other cities. So uh, we, we together make the research in the office in Mexico City. Let's say we centralize everything to be sure that everything is going to be done in the right way. So mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's the way that, that we f- uh, are facing that. But of course, we are also using a lot of uh, uh, new technologies uh, and uh, we are using a lot of semiotics when, when the budget is not so big. So we are doing a lot of, of research on the net, more, more with, with images, more with written discourses. So in this way, we, 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 we are dealing with that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, but of course, because of the pandemic, because of the COVID, uh, everybody is adapting also to this other way to do research. Yeah. Um, so presumably before COVID, or maybe there's been a few of these jobs during, but in the case of where it's multi-research or multi-site projects, um, what are you doing then when you bring that data back? Are you collaborating to analyze it and, and find the insights in it? Or is that yeah, then yeah. going to one, you know, to a particular person or a smaller team, or is it, you know, is it a group? Uh, of course, of course, it goes to a smaller team. But uh, we are asking the anthropologists to deliver all the information in a very specific and uh, strict uh, format. Just in a normal PowerPoint, but uh, you have to ask those questions and no more and provide uh, three, five pictures for this uh, uh, question and no more. We're trying to to set limits also, because otherwise if, if we send 20 anthropologists all around Mexico, and we, we need to have their field notes in a very, very precise and uh, uh, homogenic way. So that's the reason because we are doing that. And even though it's fun because we set rules, and I don't know if we anthropologists are like that, but they, they don't always follow the rules. So we are all, always dealing with that. Either they are providing way more information or way less, or they are responding 
another question. So, but anyways, this is the first. So there is someone that is uh, in charge of that. So that is sure that everything we are getting everything in the same format at the, at the, at the same time and everything. Once it's done, uh, we'll start the process of systematization. There is someone else who is in charge of that. And when we have the information and when it's already systematized, I, uh, if, if I am able, I go to Mexico City uh, to supervise the, 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 the analysis of the, of the information in a direct way. And I mostly do that uh, because of my work here at Colef. Uh, 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 I mostly do that on the weekends. So I take a fly and I spend there two days with the team, like uh, uh, being sure that, that the insights that we get from the data are the right ones. But of course, there is not always a possibility to do that. So if there is not a possibility, one member of my team comes to Tijuana and we do it here. And then we're also using a lot of, of, of new technologies in order to try to, to organize that. And, but of course, I'm not the only one who is able to do that. Uh, my colleague, Ian, and another people who has been growing with us in the in this consultancy or that who has been working with us in another consultancies are always helping us a lot if we happen to have like different projects at the same time Got it. so i have two follow-up questions based on what you just said one's on the technology but i'll come back to that second the first one is really on sort of maybe the need to balance um, structure versus unstructured so you know you said you try to give them you know some guidelines of what to go out and do uh, you said, like, sort of, you know, ask these questions no more. And I can appreciate from the business perspective the need to be able to kind of, you know, bring that together in a structured way and 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 do it on a tight timeline and under budget. But it also seems like it may miss something then, right? Because obviously the unstructured areas is oftentimes where we uncover something we didn't expect. And so, how do you how do you find a balance there? Yeah, uh, I forgot to say that uh, after the ethnographers deliver the, the, the field notes in these formats, we normally make a face-to-face -face, uh, uh, interview with them uh, to be sure that we understand everything that they are delivering and to go deeper in if we have some questions. So that, that is the, the first thing. And of course, the head of the field research team is always with us when we are doing the analysis. And if we understand that we are missing something, then we call this researcher. And we are trying to get what we what what is uh, missing. So of course, uh, we are always asking also for for uh, lots of uh, photos, videos when it's possible, all that. But this is like information that we have just as a backup. If we need it, then we go and analyze it. But uh, let's say that, that the, the deliverable that we are asking them is, is very structured. Yes, indeed, in order to, yes, to be able to compare and to be sure that everybody is, 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 is giving the information that we need to, 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 to respond to questions. Got it. And so you also said, oh, thanks for sharing that. And you said that you, you know, you've been using a bunch of new technology and presumably that's, um, you know, that's for maybe data capture, potentially for data analysis as well. Uh, and I, I, 
you know, I would assume some of that was a result of COVID, but some of it also may just be a result of the changing landscape of business and the tools that we have. So is there anything, you know, particular that uh, you've found interesting to, to, you know, and from a technology perspective that you worked in your practice? Well, uh, the, this new boards uh, that to work online like mural for mm-hmm. example i i love them those are helping us a lot because they are giving us the the opportunity to somehow materialize let's say in the virtual world one very common way of of working in the consultancy so you you can work with those post-its virtual post-its for example you can make your diagrams you can connect ideas and it's an environment environment that is alive you know that is growing and and that's that's what i like of it and it's very easy to teach to 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 other people, and so we are are also already asking uh, the people that we make research with to when we start a project, for example, to go into the mural and to start sharing. Whenever they want, they can start sharing and they start talking if they want. They can share photos, thoughts, and in this way, we are already making also a report with them. So we are, in this way, we are also making them feel that they are part of the research. <clears throat> so this is one of the most, uh, let's say, uh, 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 technologies, the most friendly technologies that, that, that I've found lately sure. and, and that I, I'm working with. Other, other uh, technologies are more boring, like Atlas T and those kind of things that are more for system size information. But uh, no, these, these, these murals and things like that, I, I like it a lot. Got it. So um, earlier, you said you, when you talked about you know your your early forays into consulting, and when you were when you were working with those other consultancies, you were talking about the difficulty of presenting the results and the need to kind of use design to convey ideas, you know, in an impactful, clear, kind of concise way. And so I'm wondering, how has your practice changed from that time till today? You know, what are you doing different today to help people? see the value that you are producing and you know how are you communicating the insights to your to your customers um well let's say that uh, the the importance of bring of, of working with a, a professional designer i think that that this what what i learned when i was with in situ and not only for for let's say to make things look beautiful but to think in a design per, from a design perspective, so uh, this is like the the one of the main let's say things that we are trying to do when when we are uh, nowadays uh, delivering results. It's not always possible again because some clients don't want that. Some clients uh, they, they even say don't pay so much attention in the the design, you know, uh, we, we just want to have uh, very fast uh, answers for those little questions. Sometimes it's like this, but other times when there is a, 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 a good budget, we can include one designer into the team, anthropological team. And since the very beginning, we are even analyzing the results, the field research results with this designer. The designer is with us in the analysis, anal- in, the, in the process of, of analyzing data. 
and the designer is already trying to, to develop some models with us in order to understand the data and to be sure that we are making a good model of, of explanation. So for me, those are the most rich uh, projects when we have the opportunity to do that because you can clearly see the results at the end of the day when there was a designer working with an anthropologist, the results at, from my side of view, they grow in quality and, and, and it's very the, the power of the explanation, the power of the models that you are managed to, you are able to, to construct is very different because, mm -hmm. as I said, we are not train, trained for that as an, an anthropologist. So here in Mexico, I insist, thanks to in situ, uh, we talk, uh, anthropologists and designers, we talk a lot or we used to talk a lot and until nowadays, I, I still like to work a lot with designers. And from that experience, I also started to work in the academic field with a, a, an area that I call it techno-anthropology. And in techno-anthropology, we do more basic research or applied research, but to, to the public area. Uh, and we are always working among uh, anthropologists, designers, engineers, but always this, this very holistic perspective. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, as somebody who, you know, um, basically within the business anthropology space is primarily specialized in, in design anthropology, you know, I'm, I'm accustomed to, to co-creating and agree with you that I think that is really the, you know, the best way to approach it. But building on that, I would ask, do you ever involve um, your clients in the process of analysis? Well, a we try to do it uh, somehow nowadays they are not really open to that before when when we started to sell anthropology they were very excited and very happy because yeah they were like somehow uh, outside of their of their uh, workspace and, uh, and it was very funny at the beginning because some mm -hmm. of them even were dressing like Indiana Jones, you know, with shorts and everything. They didn't really understood what we were doing. No, they were uh, sometimes they were not really helping when we were going to the field. They were like kind of tough sometimes. And so it was at the beginning. It was very very interesting experience, and and the, and and you could see how they compromised to go to the field. But then, little by little, things started to change. And nowadays, even though you gave the opportunity to, uh, to clients to go with you to the field, I don't know why they are not 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 uh, going with us anymore. Uh, and in the in the in the analysis, uh, we are also open to to bring the someone some clients to our office, for example, or to invite if we are working. Uh, uh, virtually, but they are not uh, involving with us. They are uh, uh, only asking uh, for more partial deliverables, you know, to be sure that we are going in the right direction. I think this happens because some areas in the business, in the industry, are getting specialized also. They are opening their own, let's say, consultancy department inside, you know, mm -hmm. and when they are doing that, uh, they, they, of course, the, the, the amount of the work that they have is a lot. So they are all only being like a broker looking for some consultancies outside. And when they see, they find one that they like how they, they work, 
They, they only ask to, to make the research and that's it. So we are not working as before with, with other, like, let's say, human resources areas. We're not working with those more traditional areas. Nowadays, we're working with more with research areas inside of, of business. And I think that that's one of the reasons because, because things has changed lately. Got it. Great. So to, to sort of pivot and you know, maybe um, work towards kind of closing some of these ideas you know, up. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, design is something that's not taught. You mentioned when you started your business that you weren't really prepared, you know, you had no business training. When you mentioned mural and moving the stickies around, of course, it invokes, you know, a lot of thoughts today about design thinking, which is often uh, asked about within a corporate setting, even if it may or may not produce, you know, the value that we uh, possibly could from using a maybe more holistic approach. Nonetheless, um, whether it's design or business skills or the language of business or something like design thinking, there are lots of things we potentially could be providing training on to the next generation of business anthropologists that would help them fit into organizations better. I know you're interested in that as well. You've, you know, you've kind of alluded to it a few times. So what do you think are the key gaps today? Uh, definitely soft abilities, for example, uh, as we were talking before, how, how to, to administrate uh, uh, your own business. That's something very important. We don't have, at least in Mexico, uh, National School of Anthropology, you never get a, a, a class like this. You never get also a class about uh, business or design, anthropology, we only have applied anthropology, but more in a traditional uh, way, more this kind of anthropology that, that was uh, used to be done by anthropologists working in a very close way with the government and um, more like helping indigenous people to, to somehow to be part of the nation, let's say. So, so it's a very uh, old-fashioned anthropology. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, while facing with this problem in some anthropology schools and programs in Mexico, because they believe, some of them believe that this is not very professional, what we are doing. So anyways, we are pushing, and I myself, when it's when, when possible, I do uh, lessons in anthropology, and, uh, but it's not uh, compulsory courses, but optional courses. So mm-hmm. I've been teaching there three times, and when I teach there, I also take students to the consultancies and they like a lot. And I think that this works a lot for them because uh, let's say in the last lesson that I provide, I took them to five consultancies and they understood also how different each consultancy is because each consultancy, of course, it has its own culture of working. And uh, so we were asking the consultancies to, to share a project and to, to explain how they were doing the project. So after this experience, uh, many of my students started to work in those consultancies. So I, I, it was unexpected, let's say, that, that I helped them to make the contact with the consultancies because they didn't know how to approach to the consultancy. They were afraid somehow. So uh, they got jobs. I had 10 students at the time, and at least six students are working until nowadays in in consultancy. So this is also to take to the students, let's say, to a living lab, you know. Mm -hmm. And also uh, we uh, uh, did once a rally for a week 
we ask students of anthropology from all around Mexico to join us in the National School of Anthropology. There were like 80 anthropologists and we were working with other consultancies that with other friends that are doing this kind of work. And we they give uh, three days of, no, sorry, two days of conferences, uh, also about our experience, what we're doing, and so, and so forth. And the other three days, two days was a kind of a safari or a rally, or I don't know how you want to call it, in order to try to, to, to solve some problems, to answer some questions related to public services of, uh, in, the, in this area that we were working with, so we divide these 80 anthropologists in three teams when, and, and we were like helping them, uh, the, the people who had more experience, to do their research. And we make this like a challenge. And at the last day, uh, the teams presented the results and there were like some even public servants somehow to evaluate in the work. And, uh, and it was a funny way to, to teach them in a practical way, in a living lab way, what means to do uh, 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 this kind of, of, of anthropology. So we only did it once, but it was a very, very good experience, and I think that, that, that we have to do it more often. And uh, also, uh, of course, uh, you ask for, for what we have to teach them, administration, practical things, how to approach to business. But as we said already, <clears throat> to be very, very formal, uh, to be very good at delivering good insights and, and to pay a lot of attention in uh, the quality of your work and, and the presentation of your work also. Mm -hmm. That is, is, is key, I think. And uh, in order to help the specialized anthropologists in Mexico also, we are uh, bringing the Global Business Anthropology Conference in two years into Mexico, uh, a colleague, Carmen Bueno, a very well-known anthropologist from uh, Ibero. She was like uh, the, the, the contact with this uh, organization and uh, she made uh, the team of anthropologists that we are working in this project. So we are very happy to, to announce that and to uh, start working on that. So I think that this, this event is going to help a lot to 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 talk about the new challenges of, of anthropologists working in business. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I'm hoping, uh, well, I, I plan to come, assuming there's no issues with COVID, um, but looking forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great down there. You know, the video that's up on the businessanthro.com site is obviously uh, it's great and and it looks like it would be a nice event. So really curious to see how that all comes together and certainly happy to kind of uh, help push it here on the podcast and make others aware of it. So Max, um, thanks for sharing all that. Is there anything else that aside from you know, the Global Business Anthropology Summit that you might want to make anybody aware of any things that you're, you know, any little initiatives that you're involved in, any, any talks or anything at all that's coming up that you think others should know? Well, uh, no, thank you very mu much, Matt. It was really nice to talk to you. And well, I use one to 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 um, be part of this growing community and to develop new new ways to to professionalize anthropology. And I think that the podcast is a very good way, and that there there are a lot of initiatives going on around. And I'm very happy for that. There are many conferences nowadays, so. Mm -hmm. So I think that that we are doing good, but but we can we 
can do it better uh, by sharing knowledge. Thank you very yeah, much. Certainly. Yeah, thanks. And um, where should everybody find you if they're interested in getting in touch? Uh, okay, uh, Twitter is uh, in Samaxo, X-A-M-A-X-O. This is my, my Twitter. And of course, uh, uh, LinkedIn and my my mail uh, is uh, like my name. My Let's say it's maximino.matus at gmail.com and also matus, M-A-T-U-S, at colef.mx. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, also if you want more information about me, you can find me at the colef web page and at Semiosfera web page. Great. Thanks for sharing that and thanks for taking the time today. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much, Matt. Take care, Bye-bye. Max. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Anthropology and Business Podcast. To learn everything you need to break into business anthropology and why business anthropology is one of the best lenses for contributing to business success, visit my website at madarts.me where I cover many topics related to business anthropology and beyond. There you will find all the podcast episodes, blogs, and news. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.